Welcome to the Man on Second podcast, part of the Coach and Kernan podcast network. I'm Joe Forsaro, your host. And today we got a really, really good guest here on the podcast. Um, we got Juan Pierre, one of the truly uh, great base stealers in the last 25 years and basically all time. Uh, Juan had an amazing 14-year career um, spent with Colorado, the Marlins, uh, the Cubs, the Dodgers, the, who am I missing, JP? The White Sox, the Phillies, and then back to Miami. And and in JP's great career, stole 614 bases. And three times he paced the league in 01 with Colorado, 03 with Miami, which then was Florida, so stole 65 bases, still a franchise record. And 10 with the White Sox, stole 68. And, and just Juan Pierre's one of my all-time favorite ball players to have covered as a privilege to cover him, a, a tremendous professional. And JP, how you doing this morning? I'm good, man. I'm good. Always good uh, to get a chance to catch up with you. Yeah. And, and boy, the timing just worked out JP, cause it's a, it's a sad week for the game. And I know for you personally, hearing the passing of Maury Wills on Tuesday, the, the Dodger great and one of the great base dealers probably should be a hall of famer. Um, JP, he stole 104 bases back in 1962. I know he meant a lot to you. Yeah. Speak to what Maury Wills meant to you and to the Dodgers and to baseball. Oh, yeah. He's he's one of those Dodgers baseball legends, but definitely a Dodger legend. When I signed over there with the Dodgers, he was one of the first persons uh, I met and just used to sit and talk to him every day, whether it was bunting and base running. Um, I was seven years in the big leagues at the time and 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 he he taught me so much more stuff like the intricacies about you know the base stealing part and I never really had a guy coach that stole that many bases and you know he won the MVP that year he stole 104 and and, and that's unheard of for a guy a speed guy like that uh but he changed the game um and just to pick his brain he would be at the field you know three four times a week for a homestand and we just used to sit and talk and talk and he had a thing called the Maury's pit. It was like mm-hmm. a little half field where we used to go bunt and base run, you know, every morning in spring training. And I always tell us, Uncle Maury, man, that's all I want to do. One day I just want to get work in spring training from like nine to 10, do bunting and then just go home, man. I want to have a, a, a Pierre's pit. So we used to <laughs> laugh about that all the time. But uh, he meant a lot to me on and off the field and for the game and especially for the Dodgers, he was a great ambassador. He was always around, you know, him, Don Newcomb, you know, Sandy Koufax, all those guys were around that you could just pick your, pick their brains. Yeah, and and just, you know, the timing of this, uh, I was already planning on having Juan Pierre as my guest this week. And and part of it was to, the main part is to talk about base running, to yeah. talk about stealing MLB is uh, with the rule changes next year with um with the the shift restrictions with the the pitch timer jp will mm-hmm. affect pitches the larger bases i already was planning on talking about this but and then the passing of maury which comes right at a time where we want to talk about this and before we get to the rules jp what were some of the specific things that you could pick up from from a man who was you know 60 years ago winning MVP and stealing 104, which at the time, I think Ty Cobb held the record for like 47 years at 95 or 96, whatever the exact number was. And then for for Maury to to top 100 and what that number means and what it did. Could you sense that he really knew what a trailblazer he was? Uh, 
I think he did, you know what I mean? Because, you know, that led to, you know, Lou Rocks and the uh, 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 Ricky Henderson. And, uh, I mean, 100 bases, I, I couldn't imagine. Like, and I stole, what, 68 was my highs? And I yeah. felt like I was running every day. So I can't imagine, <clears throat> hit, uh, you know, stealing 100 bases. Um, but he was he was the kind of guy that, like, he would tell me, he's like, hey, you, you got to go. You got to steal third base with two strikes, you know, because guys that don't base steal are coaches. You know, that's like you don't do those type of things. And he was like, no, you have to do it to steal bases, to be a, you know, a catalyst for your team. You have to do this. You have to know how to delay steal. The guy's super quick. You know what I mean? I never heard that stuff before, like a coach encouraging it, you know. Um, and just that little stuff like that and, like, picking up, like, oh, if he moves his shoulder, if he moves his head a certain way, you know. Um, I was a basic guy, like a foot guy, you know, I watched his heel and stuff. He's like, no, you watch, you find like little stuff that he might do with his head or his shoulder and, and you go off that. And it was like little stuff I started looking and I picked up on it. And um, because that was my biggest thing as a base. So I wasn't like the fastest, fastest guy, but I really could read pictures. And he just took that to another level, you know, when I met him. Yeah, speak to that, because I think a lot of people equate just blazing speed means you would be a, it'll just translate to 50 stolen bases or whatever. Um, what Talk about the art of that. Yeah, it's, it's really is an art because I think my 60, my fastest 60 was like a 6'5", six, 6'5", five, six, five, five or something. And I knew guys ran 6'3", six, 6'2", six, you know, 60s. I think Jazz ran like a 6'2", six, 60. Mm-hmm. But guys didn't know how to steal bases. You know what I mean? Number one, you got to be relaxed. You got to do your homework. Um, got to get good jumps. Um, and it's, it's really is an art form because you got to know what to watch on them and, and have confidence in it. And also if you get thrown out, you don't get scared. You know, a lot of guys get thrown out and they get scared. They don't want to go, but you know, as a base still, you're going to get thrown out. You're going to get picked off. All those things come along with still in the base, but it definitely is an art because I know a lot of guys that were faster than me, but just, just didn't have the confidence and the, the jumps to steal bases. Yeah, I mean, just all the time I spent with you on those backfields at uh, in spring training and just watching the way you worked mm-hmm. and the way you, the attention you spent to your lead, your secondary lead, uh, mm-hmm. like you said, you know, the moves, you know, watching a move or two or like you, now you're saying like a head movement or, you know, especially, you know, against a lefty. Yeah. yeah. What what were you what were some of those subtle things you you were picking up that you could pass on to younger players or or prospects or big leaguers that might be listening? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and lefties was a little trickier. You know, sometimes you had to just go first movement, but like I had three basic things with the lefties. Like sometimes they would look right at you and go home. And then they when they try to pick, they would look home that to set the illusion that they're going home, but pick over. Um when I first got in the league, they had guys that crossed their back legs with the heel. Uh, those guys are long gone, though. It's like the the Ron Guidry types. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, those those guys were long gone. But it's it's really like doing your homework. Um, and a lot of guys don't even practice still. And like I used to get a coach out there and you know simulate stuff because guess what? If you if you don't get on base a lot, or you have a stretch where you're not on base for maybe two or three games, like in a stealing situation. Like, and then you get thrown into going to first and then you haven't practiced it or nothing. Like, it's hard to get a good jump, you know, and most guys, that's what they do. They don't practice stealing or base running, uh, even in batting practice and stuff. Guys kind of just, I don't even think they run the bases anymore in batting practice. I know sometimes I go there, I'm like, y'all don't run the bases? Like, nah, <laughs> don't do that in batting practice no more. So, 
you know, it's hard to get reads, even like tagging up or balls in the gap, you know what I mean? Those kind yeah. of plays that only time you could work on it was kind of like in batting practice when guys are hitting the ball. So is that repetition the same way if a guy's pitching, they throw a side and bullpen. If you're hitting, you're always hitting in the cage. But I think base running is the one thing that people just – you don't practice it. And it's the old adage, if you, if you don't use it, you lose it, you know. Yeah. Um, and, and it's – when you're throwing in the fire in the eighth inning, when they ask you to go steal a base or read a ball that, that do it, if you haven't practiced it, you know what I mean, it's hard to get the, the best jump, I believe, personally. Yeah, I mean – you're absolutely right. You know, I, I could talk about in spring training, you know, I may have mentioned this to you because um, I'll go up there now. I'm semi-retired. I'm not embedded up there for six full weeks, but I'll go up. I'll spend a night or two every now and then. Mm-hmm. And what I always liked in spring training was being there early, you know, talking to you guys before mm-hmm. the game, you know, before the games, watching the workouts and really kind of getting a read for the team. You could see where, you know, which players might be working at different positions or what guys were working on. And mm-hmm. it was a ghost down town back there. I was like, it's like nine thirty. I'm like, where's everybody? Yeah, you know, yeah. And there's a game, at, and it's like someone to come out and take five ground balls. They'd be done. Guys would be in the cage, and it's like the whole aspect of spring training, the whole schedule. And this isn't even that long ago. Yeah, and within four or five years, it's like you're like you say, you don't you don't do it, you lose it. And and I think that's kind of why fundamentals are a little bit off. We're so t- rely relying on tools. Mm-hmm. And not, you know, feel and repetition and muscle memory. Uh, exactly. Because these guys are way more athletic now. You know what I mean? They're bigger, stronger, faster. No no doubt. There's no no doubt in that. But like you said, the integral parts of the game, like like you you, you can you can get better. You know what I mean? And um, I think, too, a little bit of, you know, the schedule, I don't want to be too hard on the guys, but a little bit, I think, when COVID happened, they kind of try to spread guys out. and You know what I mean? Yeah. And less time at – at this, but for me, spring training was a time to get work. Like I planned on being there from five thirty to six to once you started games till five six. You know what I mean in the yeah. evening. But like even before games started in spring training, you'd be there from six to twelve or one, getting work in. You know, um, that's the time to do it. Uh, but it's it's less emphasis on that. You know that part of it. it's all about resting and getting guys the proper. You know which. You do that, you know, but sometimes you you just got to go out there and work, you know, especially if you're a younger team and not a lot of veterans on there. You, you got to go out there and work. But I think they start spring training even later now. So, you know, what I mean, like, I don't care when you start, whatever, as long as you get your work in. I'm not saying you got to be out there three or four hours, but you have to do certain things um, to get ready. And that's just the fielding part, the hitting part. That's not even going into the base running part because, you know, uh, nobody did, did that even back when I played. You know, I carved out my own time to, to really work on the base running side of it and base yeah. side of it. So uh, hopefully it comes back. I think I got faith, Joe. I got faith that it, it'll come back around. And, you know, like you said, with these rule changes, hopefully, uh, you know, the game will get back more athletic and guys running and doing that type stuff. Yeah, let's speak to that because I think John Birdie, and we all love John Birdie, Marlon fans especially, because this guy is as hard a worker and just, you know, can maximize his talents and and a really astute uh, player. And he's like leading the majors at 36. Yeah. You know, and and he missed what, like two or three weeks. Yeah, he missed missed time because of various injuries. and, And 
you know, we got some really good younger players. We, you're probably following the, the, the starts of like a Julio Rodriguez or a Bobby Witt Jr. These are two rookies who, who I think is going to be a really good debate. Who's going to be the better prospect? Because I think they're way, way elite. But mm-hmm. these are these are 2020 guys already, and yeah. easily could be 30, 30 guys. What do you see in them? And why don't you think they're stealing 50, 60 bags like they did, you know, 15 years ago? Yeah, yeah. Um, in in Birdie case, it's a, it's a good for him, and and the smaller guys are easy. I think they could go. Uh, just to, to give him the green light, you know what I mean? I think, but, you know, the way baseball is played, so nerves get thrown out and this and that, but that's why they call it stealing a base. Like, it's a risk involved, you know what I mean? Calculated risk, you just don't run blindly. But, like, the Julio guy and the Bobby Witt, those those are bigger guys, and, 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 and what they're doing is changing the game. Buxton was a guy that, when he came in the league, was like that. But only thing with those bigger guys that run – because Trout was like that when he came into the league. Hanley was like that. But as those guys get bigger with, with more power, the team's telling them, hey, we don't want to risk you getting hurt still in the base. I think Trout got uh, got uh, hurt in um, <laughs> Get hurt Miami. down here. Yeah. You got yeah, hurt down here. So I'm still in the base, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think with those bigger guys like that, like who will, they'll probably run a couple – couple years and then I think the teams are probably telling them, hey tr- take it easy on stealing the bases we want you to to baby to hit and not um steal as much yeah and you know as as the the sport evolves and and I am kind of encouraged I think we're going to see the stolen base coming back and I think the new rules um three things you know that going into into play in 2023 will will kind of guide it so I think that the fact that the bases now, JP, are going what eighteen inches instead of fifteen, and mm-hmm. so and I, and then the pitch timer they're calling it what fifteen seconds per batter, and then if a guy's on, he has twenty seconds and can make two throwovers, and then thirdly, you can't have uh, uh, combating the shifting, which uh, should lead to a few more base hits because you won't be able to overload one one side of the field like before. How let's start with the bases. How do you think the bigger bases are going to affect base running and just those bang bang plays? Yeah, yeah, I think it's cuz it, cuz I know with, when you're still in the base the base going to be a little bit shorter, right? Like It's like four and a half inch. The way second base is going to be between right. second to first to second and second to third will be like four and a half inches I think they I read will be yeah. shorter. Well, you had so that, you and, had yeah, you could have you had six hundred fourteen steals. You would have had about seven hundred. Yeah, the uh, <laughs> you know the game and baseball is a game of inches. We've always heard that. So any inch, you know, four inches you getting. So that bang bang play, it's is you know what I mean. Like it, it'll it'll go the other way now, I believe. So I think the the base stealing side. Anytime you can shorten the bases like that, uh, it's definitely gonna help. Um, now, what about from home to first? That's going to be pretty much the I same. I think it's still 90 feet. From my understanding, the front yeah, so. of the yeah. base will be 90. I thought it might be the pin placement, which technically could make it three inches shorter. You know? yeah. uh, so I know I know all those guys. I, I think I personally think infielders now, especially taking the, the shift away, uh, these teams, instead of you know having a little bit less athletic shortstop who you could just position, because of right. analytics and then throw somebody next to him. 
I think mm-hmm. now you're going to have to almost look like that 03 Marlin team when you had Alex Gonzalez and Luis Castillo yeah. covering a ton of ground and Perry Hill system of moving you within within parameters. Uh, those type of guys, I think you're going to have to have your middle infielders, their arm strength and third baseman. So I think if you're more of a weaker armed infielder, you know, you, you're going to be in trouble a little bit, even on that turning that double play, because getting that a fast runner, even a moderately mm-hmm. fast runner, getting from first to second on the ground ball to third, that might be a little more a chop that you get that lead runner. You may not be getting that lead runner as much as you did. So I think it's going to play big into how you build your rosters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I think it's, I think it's going to change change a, a, a lot of stuff, like like you said, and um, uh, I think it's just going to be better for the game on the defensive side. And then you switch to the offensive side and talking about stealing bases. You do all these, you know, things that they're doing. So hopefully you get more guys on base. So with more guys on base, then you have more opportunities to run. To st- you know what I mean? So all that stuff plays out. That's why I don't like the strikeout so high now. You know, even the guys that. I'm like, if you cut it in half, that's 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 more times you're gonna just get on base or have the opportunity to get on base. Like it over once you strike out, that's it. Like you don't yeah. get nothing out of a strikeout. You know, I mean, I know they claim whatever, but like as a team, you know, what I mean, you can't move a guy over, you can't do any of this stuff. But like, say you strike out 150, 80 times a year, if you just cut it down to 100 times a year. Of that hundred, that's the more opportunities you're gonna get on base, and you will get on base just putting the ball in contact. Talking about like your, your speed, not speed guys, but like me, like the two way guys, you know. And yeah. then that's opportunities that you can do more run, hit and runs, move guys, and just just a better brand of baseball. In my opinion, I know people, the new school, love this brand of baseball, but you know, I'm a guy that that was my game, and um, like I was telling people, I was like, I don't even know if I would have got a chance to play get called up from the minor leagues the way the game is played now because yeah. i was like the ultimate speed guy you know bunting running you see my game joe like i didn't try to hit the ball in the air at, at no point you know no you were the anti-launch challenge go guy and and just to to jp's point to our listeners <laughs> these people may not realize first of all juan pierre finished with 2217 career hits two two ninety five lifetime batting average and if talk about work ethic from 2003 to 2007, played all 162 games, five year span, didn't miss a game. 03, I don't think he, he didn't didn't miss an inning in 03 on the on the World Series title team. 2003, JP paced the the majors with 747 plate appearances. And for our audience, hear this, and it is not a misstatement. 35 strikeouts. He struck out 35 times in 747 plate appearances. Guess what he did in 04 when he had 221 hits, led the league, and still a Marlins record. 748 plate appearances, one more plate appearance than he did in 03, 35 strikeouts. On base percentage in 03 of 361 and 04, 374. And, And speak to that because you obviously struck out so few times. Mm. And and it wasn't like you're at the top of the order and you're getting everybody's best. You're getting yeah. the closer. You're getting uh, all the aces, and and you're on you, you know the catalyst. And yeah. yeah, and you got the <laughs> pitcher batting ninth. <laughs> and talk about that and the pride you had just putting the ball in play. Yeah, Joe, you should have been my agent, man. You running <laughs> off? I could have played another couple years, man. I tried to get you more money, career, man. <laughs> 
I'm like, man, I didn't know all that stuff, you know. I wanted um, you to be an all star, and I remember you yeah, saying you didn't have enough homers, you know. know so one time, just once, you know, I wanted <laughs> to taste all, but I'll take the World Series over an all star. Attaboy. Um, yeah, but, but uh, speak to the, the K rate. Yeah. Yeah, I, I was always taught, you know, to, to put the ball in play. Uh, being a leadoff, even like before I even got to professional ball, like, you know, we were always taught, hey, two strikes, you know, when you're little, like choke up, you know, put the ball in play, like whatever you do, you know, don't strike out. And I think that kind of mentality, you know, stayed with me. And I wasn't a big home run guy. So my, you know, my one oh two oh swing was kind of like my oh two swing. Like I, I kept, I was disciplined enough to, to, to know myself as a hitter. Um, and I knew if I put the ball in place, especially on the ground, it gave my ch- gave myself a chance to get on base. And I was always team oriented. I was trying to get on base for whoever was behind me in the lineup. You know, my thing was try to get the third base with less than two outs, so my big boys can you know hit a sack fly, a ground ball, and get a ribby. Uh, that was my whole philosophy. Philosophy, but um, just to put the ball in play, like uh, you know, sometimes you have to have an ugly swing. Like you don't get your best looking swing. You know, nowadays you don't know if to count two o or o two. The way the guys swing now, like they don't maneuver like even in the box. Sometimes facing a certain pitcher, you move in the box this way or that way. You know, now I just see guys same spot in the box, same swing, same everything on every different pitcher, and. Um, uh, I just wasn't taught that way. You know, we really was taught to, you know, put the ball, especially a leadoff guy. So now a leadoff yeah. is totally different now. You know what I mean? No disrespect to the leadoff, but, you know, Kyle Schwarber would not be leading off. Back in the day, you know? Yeah, he has 40 homers, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, 40 homers, but we'll have him back in the lineup so you can have 130 ribbies with it, you know? Instead of, no, I hear I you. I don't know how many ribbies he got. But, but I know the philosophy because he's a guy that, you know, gets on base. And yeah. now, you know, he gets on base, but he doesn't run. You know, not Kyle Schwarber, just everybody. You know, the bigger yeah. uh, guy, on-base percentage guys, you know. Because at the end of the point, it was like an Adam Dunn. They was like, well, well he should lead off because he – you know what I mean? Yeah, he walked a lot. Yeah. He, walk, yeah. he walked a lot, you know. So you want that guy, you know, a guy on base. And I, I get that reasoning because they get on base, but the reason that a lot of guys get on base like that because – Number one, they can hit the ball at the park, so pitchers are scared of it. Number two, if they get on base, they're not running. Like it's still gonna take like three hits to score. You yeah, know? how do you how do you think that's gonna do? You think the, the leadoff hitter is gonna a little bit look a little bit more like when you were leading off, or do you think they will well, still have like the Schwarber types? And especially I, now with the two, you can only throw over two times. And I think I you can only step off if I'm a pitcher. If Juan Pierre's on first, pitcher can only throw two times over. I, I, I would love, I love that. Like that, that's really going to, cause I'll get a big lead to try to make them come over. And then if they don't come over, then, you know, and that's almost like when they took out the third, the first move. Yeah. Like that was awesome for me. Cause that, that gets you a lot, you know what I mean? And they yeah. took out the third, the first move. I'm like, Oh, that's easy money, you know? <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah. That, uh, but I think the, the Schwabers and stuff might stay around because, if you're a speed guy, you got to do because these speed guys, they don't bunt. They don't do like uh, speed guys. Usually your your on base percentage goes hand in hand with your average. So if you're a speed guy and you're batting 240, you get on base, you know, yeah, 30 percent of the time. Like, I get it. You got to bat ninth, bro. Like, you, you're yeah. not on base for me, you know? Yeah. Um. 
So if you're a speed guy, like your on base percentage has to be, I believe, you know, 340, 350 on up. Because me, I wasn't a guy that walked a lot. You knew that. Like, yeah. I, that's one thing that amazed me about Castillo, Louis. Like, Louis was a speed guy, and he he could take that pitch right off the plate. And I couldn't, you know what I mean? I was swinging yeah. at it. Um, so I knew I had to bunt, do those type of things to to get on base and um, to try to get my own base percentage up because I, I just wasn't walking. And I know the opposing pitcher, pitching coach, tell, hey, make this guy swing the bat. Make him swing the bat, you know. So I think those – Guys like that is probably still hang out and lead off because, you know, their on-base percentage will be higher unless you have a speed guy that actually has a good on-base percentage. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think it's going to do? Do you think, JP, do you think now with the that four and a half inches going your way as a runner that that secondary lead may not have to be as, as far? Uh, I would still be just as aggressive if I was, okay. if I was coaching and telling the base runners. I tell them just be as aggressive and, and take advantage of it, you know, get that extra step, you know what I mean? And, and, and But the thing is, Joe, they, they, you got to work at it, you know what I mean? Yeah. It just don't come by osmosis, you know what I mean? Like you have yeah. to get out there and, and work at it. And then, like I said before, if you're on base percentage is 270, 290, like you're not getting on base a lot. So yeah. when you do get on base, it's it, I get it. you like, man, I don't want to get picked off. I, I, I ain't been on base in a while, so I don't want to do anything to mess up the base run, you know what I mean? But mm-hmm. I would I would be super aggressive. And the Marlins, watching them as we do in South Florida, they were really aggressive, you know, this year. They yeah. they were they, they they really ran the bases. Well, I think they still got picked off a lot, but I wouldn't mind the pickoffs this year because they were trying to run. Yeah. I think last year they were getting picked off and wasn't trying to steal, you know? Yeah, they were just, yeah. It is what it is. Whatever it was. But this yeah. year they had guys that was running and situation they were trying to run late in the game and the guy did a good move and get picked off. I can live with that, you know, because you were leaning to run, you know? Uh, but, like, I would be super aggressive. I use these big bases as, as an advantage. Um, mm-hmm. That little, what, three to four inches, it, it makes a big deal uh, – with the game of inches, you know. Yeah, let's, let's go back to 2002 when you get after you had that great year with Colorado. Castillo had a really good year. You guys were, were duking out for what the, the stolen base title in mm-hmm. in 02. The Marlins trade for you and the the key move that helped ignite the 03 team. But the, they're thinking Larry Beinfest, give him a lot of credit for this mindset, was to kind of create that dual leadoff mm-hmm. run, you know. A, type of threat. You had a primarily right-handed hitting lineup and you weren't really going to out slug, meaning you weren't going to have the ultimate home run team, but a really competent offense. But what separated the 03 Marlins and made them world series champs was the dynamic that you and Luis Castillo created at the top of the order. And, and how did you see that coming together? Cause I think at first they had Louis lead off and you hit him second. They, they were trying to get the right combo and then mm-hmm. once they went with you first and, and Louis second, that's when it really kind of took off. And Pudge, of course, came over and Delietta Monster yeah. and Mikey Lowland down the line. But um, how did you see that coming about? Did you guys realize what you were creating? Well, for me, it was it was like a breath of fresh air because I, I, I learned so much from Louis. You know, even like in game, I can see how the pitcher was doing and he got on base and I didn't. I can see the pitcher's best move. It was like we just fed off each other, you know, from spring training on. Like you said, I was batting second, and then he would bat lead off or vice versa. And then I think they moved, like, when a lefty pitch, I would bat second, and he would lead off. And and um, 
and we just fed off each other, man. Like once we started feeling the pressure and then hearing it from the other teams, it's like, man, these guys always, because the thing is we ran throughout the whole lineup, you know, Encarnacion, I think had 20 bags that year. Yep. You know what I mean? D Lee ran, Pudge couldn't run, you know, Alex even ran. Like we ran throughout our whole lineup, but it started at the top, man. When we put the pressure on the, the opposing pitcher and the catcher and the defense early in the game, and then we had the big boys coming up. It was it, it was fun for me because I never – that was the first time where people, like, where it was a guy that was like me in the lineup and, like, you can feel the disruption that you was doing to the other team. You know what I mean? And 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 it started gelling as we started winning. And um, it was just a, a, a good brand of baseball. Like, I look at the highlights or I'll watch some old games and I'm like, man, we, we could really play, like, all throughout the lineup. And – um. It did start with 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 me and Louis, and and I, I like that 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 pressure of it, you know what I mean? Because I was like, man, if I don't get on, we're not going to score. And that wasn't the case, but that was my mentality, you know what I mean? I was like, yeah. I got to get on base. I got to find a way. Um, speaking of getting on base, this off topic, Joe. We got to find a way in the stat system to 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 have when you reach on an error, that got to be like on base percentage or something has to go up, you know what I mean? Cause I was a guy that always reached on a lot of guys made errors when I played, but you get nothing for it. You know what I mean? It actually hurts you on base. Yeah. That's all yeah. It hurt your bad average. And I'll bet you'd get the run, but yeah, you you score, know, I think, I think you state that if you're, if you basically force a hurry of play. Yeah. Why that? Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. If it's a routine gr- ground ball that you're out by a mile and a routine ground a second and you're out by 10 feet, then you don't really deserve that if the guy throws the ball in the stands. But right. if that's a little bit slower hopper and the, and the guy has to kind of hurry it and then he throws it because he knows who's running, you see it, you see it all the time with, with, you know, any type of, Oh, he was disruptive and the official scorer will, you know, Oh, er- an error. You know, just like I think when, when Stanton was hitting like 120 mile an hour ground balls at third right. base and, and they booted it and they called it an error because yeah. it was right at him and he got his glove on it. And I'm like, yeah, but that's not an unusual. <laughs> yeah, that's 130 miles an hour. Yeah, that's ball. not a routine ground ball. This yeah. is above. This, yeah, so sorry, I, dude. I, that, that just got me when I was talking. No, it, it, we'll, we'll start that crusade on the, on, on the, on the channel. They, they'll, we could batter that around in other yeah, forums. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. uh, but but where were we jp and uh yeah like like i said that i remember that that phillies team especially because they were kind of your primary in 03 fighting for the the wild card but you guys really really disrupted them they they really had no answer for you guys yeah yeah and we uh i think um the pitching staff and um what lieberthal was catching so we were uh we were just we just put pressure on them we were you know and then I mean, we were stealing bases, but it wasn't necessarily all about stealing bases. You know, it was going first and third. It was just the threat of stealing the base. Because some days I'm like, man, this guy's quick. I'm not going to steal, but I'm going to look like I'm going to go. You know what I mean? And then, you know, either a ball in the dirt, pass ball, and, like, we just kept coming. And um, and uh, Louis, Louis, was, Louis was really good for me. I, I Throughout my whole 14 years, people asked, it was, like, probably those three years because we just worked so well together, man. And it was, it was, it was, it was, it was really fun. Um, and, you know, usually I'm the fast guy and then you just go to sluggers, you know, <laughs> after that yeah. in my career. But to have another guy like that and Jack McKeon, Jack McKeon was huge for us because he was like, go run. Like I never had a manager like that to just say, hey, we want you to run, like take the base. We don't care how quick the guy is to the plate. So that gave you even more confidence 
And um, when you didn't get, when you got thrown out, he didn't say like, what are you doing there? You know what I mean? He's like, all right, it's okay. Go again. You know? So that gave us the confidence that, that we can run and really disrupt and change the game. And I think we did, you know, we had Philly, I think the Diamondbacks that came in and we ran on them, you know what I mean? Everybody that was ahead of us, you know, we really, even the Braves, you know, we gave the Braves fits. I mean, they had a great staff. You really had to get on base to run. But once we did get on base, you had Greg Maddox that didn't hold guys on well and um, and stuff like that. So we, we really pushed the envelope. And what – and refresh me, game one of the World Series against the Yankees, because you made the statement in about seven pitches. Mm-hmm. You lead off. Did you bunt your way on? Yep, bunt, bunt it, second pitch of the game. I bunt it. I remember going to sleep like – I wanted David Wells' pitch. I was like, I got to get him involved. Like, I got to move him around the mound. Uh, I got to get him involved. So I'm like, second pitch of the game, I'm going to bunt, you know. And I was like, I just got to make a statement early. So I bunted, and then I think we hit and run. And you went to third. um, And I went first to third, and then Pudge hit the sack fly. And I was like, yes, that's the kind of – I'm like, I wanted to show this is the Marlins style of ball. I know in American League they don't – they didn't do that much of that over there. And I know they heard about us, but I was like, we're no, and I don't think they thought it was real. I mean, they they had just gotten by the you know with the with the Booney Homer and beating the Red Sox in their in their dramatic Game Seven, and you guys took care of business in Chicago. I don't even think they were paying attention to just right. how dramatic that series with the Cubs was. Obviously, the Bartman game in Game Six, and then you know coming back in Game Seven. But I you know I think that you that first inning and those first five, six, seven pitches that we're talking about. Well, like you said, you bunting and then going first to third and then scoring on a on the sack fly. I think it was literally like seven pitches into the game. You guys were you guys were up a run and you had the Yankees attention. Yeah. Yeah. And that was the that was the game plan. And um, and I kind of the whole series tried to keep that pressure on him because I remember David Wells pitched. What was game was that three or four? He pitched again four. And he was on. I was like, I got to get him involved again. And it actually got me out this time on the bunt. But he hurt his back. He had to yeah. come out early, and then Contreras, you know, and then the bullpen had to start. You know what I mean? Yeah. Earlier, and we got Contreras, and we got in the bullpen, and and you know what I mean? In my eyes, I mean, that set it up for the rest of the series. You know what I mean? Because they had to go to the bullpen, you know, before they you – know, I think it was in the first inning that he hurt his back. Yeah. And, yeah. He, uh, and they had to go in the second inning, and he, he couldn't go again. So little stuff like that, like, I believe that can work because I've seen it. You know, something as simple as a bun or making a pitcher move because, like, you have a DeGrom and these guys, like, you just sit back and think you're going to outslug, get two, three hits in and off the Scherzers, and, like, that's not going to happen. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you got to be able to move these guys around, make them uncomfortable a little bit. You know, will it work? You know what I mean? Maybe not, but at least you give yourself a chance because what's not going to work, you're just trying to slug these guys, and these guys going to, you know, they're going to have 12, 15 strikeouts, you know, eight in this pitch or whatever or seven and shut out, you know. So I was like, hey, I got to get these big pitchers moving. Even like when we played like Roger Clemens, these guys like try to make them uncomfortable, you know what yep. I mean, uh, as much as possible. These guys are great and they, they can do what they do. But definitely when you got to split your attention from home and worry about first base too, I think it it, it, it does something to a pitcher. Yeah, and and the thing you notice, especially in today's game, just the the lack of players that should be able to bunt who can't bunt. Yeah, like yeah. I, I, everyone, you early in the year, people are like, "Oh, you should have bunted here." And then I'm watching, I'm like, "Don't bunt," you know. Yeah. I'm saying you should bunt. Yeah, in theory, you should bunt, but the guys like can't even hold the bat in bunt. You know, it's like you're there's 
in a straight sacrifice situation. They're trying to drag bunt, you know, mm-hmm. the, the bat handle, you know, it's all over the place. It's, yeah, yeah. it's like, why do you think we're going to see a little bit more of that? Or, or the smart team's going to at least have a few guys on this roster that, that can do the little things. Well, yeah, I think it comes back to, like I said, with the base running, like it doesn't happen by osmosis. Like these guys are professional hitters, go through the minor, starting the minor league where you get guys machine out there and make these guys bunt. I guarantee if they practice bunt, they'll be better bunters. What happens is they don't ever practice and you get in a game and you face a 98, you know what I mean? And yeah. try to, hey, lay one down, like it's not going to happen. You know what I mean? Like. It's just not like it's something you have. And the thing is, people think, oh, that's, but like you can literally practice five to 10 minutes a day, but you know what I mean? And you'll yeah. become a better bunter, you know? And I preach to the guys in the minor leagues now that, you know, with the more, I'm like, you want to be able to, when you get called up, they ask you to do anything. You want to be like, yes, I can do it. You know, can this guy get a guy over? Yes, I can do that. Can this guy bunt? Can, can, yes, I can do that. You know, it's just something you can have. We just call it another tool in the in the toolbox you know you want to be a well right you want to be a good baseball player that's what we were always taught hey yeah. hey you want want be was a good baseball player that's what you want to be known as you don't want to be oh he was just a base dealer or he just could you know what i mean yeah like you wanted to try to be as all around as as possible and i think they just individualizing so much now you know what i mean that uh like you said in spring training like you don't even see the pitchers anymore they don't shag. They do their work, and you go. You know what I mean? It's yeah. not a, you don't come together as a team, but for the team meeting, and after that, everything is scattered out. You know? Yeah, yeah. So you know, yeah, and, and, and you know, we're going to give some some recognition to a guy in the system, Marlon system, Nassim Nunez. To me, yeah. he's this throwback player uh, yeah. for our audience. Nassim was the Marlins' second round pick a few years back, um, a high school kid, switch hitting shortstop who can really pick it. Now, he's not going to wow you. He doesn't have any homers or anything. He's not going to hit for 300 necessarily. But he's got an instincts, defense, and he's got JP. He's got 70 stolen bases. He had like yep. you know, like 49 or whatever in high A and then went over to, to double A, and he's got 21 there, giving him 70 stolen bases. And, wow. you know, I know you, you've seen him and, and talked with him. This is kind of that – player i'm talking about teams getting a little more athletic that's a guy that without shifting you're gonna have to have a shortstop with range he's got that and he's got a ton of speed and he can impact he's a baseball player but i'm afraid analytics are going to devalue him and and Uh, he's going to have a hard time making his his mark yeah yeah i i I hope that's not the case but the way it's leaning but only thing with him hopefully he plays a prime position you know what i mean and he can move the second or whatever but he'll be up the middle somewhere so that that helps him out a lot that he can you know be a gold glove uh type guy as well but yeah he's just an exciting player i watched the highlights and i watch him you know in the minor leagues and, and that was the kind of player like yeah kind of like a Raphael for Kyle, you know where, yeah. uh switch hitting for Bradley has more power than him but he's still young you know what i mean so he'll get stronger and not to hit home runs, but you know the Jimmy Rollins type, you know where these guys can can do it all. And um, I hope he doesn't get squeezed out with the analytics because I mean he's an exciting player. I think he, he's he's going to become a better hitter, but he has the instincts to steal bases. Sometimes like you have it or you don't with stealing bases. You know what I mean? Like he has the instinct, he has the 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 no fear, 
type deal and still 70 bases in the, in the minor leagues is, is, is unbelievable. Um, and I think he's, he's, he's on the right track and he's doing it in double a. And I think uh, if he stays with it, you know I mean? Shortstop is a hard position, but I think he can do it. And um, it's exciting. Hopefully this will be a good test to see what, 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 what he does because he, he's that throwback player, but he does play a good defense and I think uh, in a prime position. So, you know, hopefully he can make it, but I think, you know, stealing 70 base is not a slouch. You know, I know the <laughs> analytics say that, but of that 70 base, I probably scored 20, 30 extra runs because he got in scoring position, you know. No doubt. No doubt. Hey, JP, how much does um, college ball um, preach kind of running? I know you went to, to South Alabama um, and kind of honed your skills there. How much do you think at, at that level were you seeing? And do you think we'll see more of it even there? Um, it's tough. I think with the, the they what they dropped the bats down. I think what five, six, seven years ago, they couldn't use like these gorilla ball bats. So home runs have gone down in college. Uh, and I was fortunate. Enough, South Alabama man, our coaches preach. Coach Kitchell preach running, stealing bases, uh, being aggressive on the base paths. But I know like these big SEC schools. I don't know how much you know. What I mean, I think they yeah. adopted the swing for the fence before the uh MLB did you know so yeah hopefully they adopt some more it's just it's a better baseball game to watch but I think uh anytime you put a guy on and you can move up 90 feet I think that helps because the ultimate thing is scoring runs you know what I mean you can't right. win a game unless you uh score runs so I think stealing the base is not just to steal but to move up 90 feet when you can it's a risk involved but anytime you move up 90 feet I believe analytics will still say you have a better opportunity to score more runs. No doubt. No doubt. And uh, what message do you give? Because I know you still work with players and, and young kids on just trying to groom their game because you're the epitome of a player who knew who you were, where your strengths and weaknesses were, and just brought that out. How do you kind of convey a message to especially our young listeners? Yeah, young listeners, just you have to work at it. Whatever you uh, your weakness is, you work it. I knew I didn't have a strong arm, so I would get out there and long toss and and um, play balls off the wall to, to get it back into my infielders who had better arms, getting hit in the cutoff, man, and doing like little stuff like that and base running, going out there, get working on your jumps, bunning, working on your bunning, uh, hitting, making sure you, you, you know what type of hitter you are and work at it. Like you have to put in the work. Like I said, it doesn't happen just to happen. Uh, by thinking it, you got to go out there and put in the work and um and what and what God has for you, He has for you. If you put it all on the line, uh, if and if it, your ceiling is double A or college, at least you know you gave it your all and 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 you didn't leave no regrets behind and and you just you know work your butt off and and it can happen. And baseball is a hard sport. You have to deal with failure. But if you work through those things, you know, anybody can become a, a good baseball player. And I'm living proof of that. I wasn't the biggest, the strongest, wasn't highly scouted. Was, people didn't think I could, you know, hit in this level or that level. But, you know, at the end of the day, I outworked guys and, and I made it happen. There's no doubt. And this is why I wanted Juan Pierre as my guest and to, to talk about this. And uh, JP, one of our missions here in the channel is to raise the IQ of our listeners and, and just kind of preach and, and talk about baseball and trying to grow the grain grow the game and 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 remind people of, of what is entailed and 
and you're a prime example. You're a pro's pro and a good friend. And I really always appreciate you giving me the time. And, uh, and for everyone out there listening, I hope you enjoyed it, especially now um, as the game, I think, is going to get a little more athletic. And and some of the pointers JP has mentioned, I think we're going to start seeing, and we hope so. JP, thanks, buddy, and I hope to have you on again at some point in the near future. Always a pleasure, Joe. Uh, anytime you need me, you know I'm here for you, buddy, and I uh, appreciate our friendship over the years. Okay, and that, that'll do it, and, and likewise, JP, as in regards to the family as well. And and that'll wrap it up. Again, this is Joe Frisero, Man on Second Podcast, and we'll be back at you uh, next week with another hard-hitting guest, and, and we're just going to keep raising the IQ of baseball fans. 